0: Welcome to See Things Differently, a podcast from Remix Summits. This podcast is for creatives who want to be creative entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Peter Tullin, and your guide to the future of the creative economy. Thousands have gathered at Remix events and leading creative cities around the world, such as London, New York, Sydney, and Istanbul, to hear from the visionaries behind emerging creative powerhouses such as Mia Wolf, Punchdrunk, Secret Cinema and Team Lab, alongside established players such as Glastonbury, Burning Man and MoMA. I believe we're in the age of the creator, and through See Things Differently we have another platform to share the stories of these pioneers who are developing creative content, products and incredible experiences that are reshaping the economy. Finally, if you like what you hear, there are literally hundreds more talks from Remix events RemixSummits.com, and better still, many of them are free, so what's not to like? This week we are exploring the rise of immersive arts, and I could think of no better person to speak with on this subject than Dorothy Stefano, who joined me in the fabulous setting of the Pullman Hyde Park Hotel in Sydney for a conversation about where this dynamic space is heading. Dorothy is one of Australia's leading voices in the global phenomenon of immersive and interactive art. As the creator of Molten Immersive Art, she leads a collective of international experiential artists and researchers. Together, they work at the cutting edge of new technology and art. As creators, cultural strategists, and site-specific digital, immersive, experience designers. Dorothy has a seemingly never-ending roll call of achievements, but her current and most recent projects include the curator of the Noor Riyadh Festival, a new city-wide festival of light and art in Saudi Arabia, and she's also a founding member uh, of the World Experience Organization. She was recently named as a top voice on LinkedIn, and she has nearly 50,000 followers that tune into the incredible content she shares from around the world on immersive art. If you enjoy our conversation, Dorothy also features in a live panel exploring the future of immersive art in Australia, which is featured in another episode of See Things Differently. So Dorothy, welcome to uh, See Things Differently. I thought um, we'd probably start by just sort of getting to know you for, for the audience. Um, now, I feel like look we've, we've got to know each other over the last sort of few months, but for, for a long time, uh, I felt like a bit of a voyeur watching your kind of a quite incredible LinkedIn profile where, and we'll get into this later, where, you know, you're one of LinkedIn's um, top voices sharing these kind of incredible projects, both by yourself and other people in the immersive and experiential space. And and it just, you know, from afar, you you look like one of those people with the absolute dream job. Uh, You know, it's incredibly exciting, the world that you're exploring and and commentating on. So I thought to start the interview, it would be great, um, you know, given you've you've got that amazing dream job, like to sketch out perhaps some of the pivotal moments in your career and your your journey that's led you to this point, particularly as you're working in an industry that's so at the cutting edge as well, because you're kind of inventing your job as you go along, I suspect, as well.
1: Yeah, correct. I mean, it changes on a daily basis. So I guess what's, um, you know, what's crucial in the space is to be able to keep moving and, and not to, you know, not to be stagnant. So, um, so if, I, if I think about who I am as a person, the thing that uh, sets me apart from, I guess, some other people is my obsession with beautiful things. And so that stems from, you know, I'm that, I'm that crazy person that stares at clouds and that smells the flowers um, and likes the sound of leaves under my feet. You know, that, all that stuff really resonates for me. Uh, and so I've always had this attraction to that. And then I guess, um, I've you know, I come from like a music background, so I used to be a cellist. So uh, if you look at any of the experiences that we develop, the audio component is in some cases, more important than the visual component for me. Mm. So, um, so anyway, so I've got this music background, and then I do what most kids do. You leave high school, and you're like, okay, what do I want to be when I grow up? Um, and I just started studying a whole bunch of stuff and, and just trying to find what that thing was that really resonated for me. Um, and so I studied audio engineering, and then I did marketing, I did multimedia... Um, yeah. Uh, what else did I do? You know, I just a, a whole bunch of stuff, and I guess, um, I guess I couldn't find what that thing was, and um, until I started working as a marketer and um, and engaging with graphic designers, and I guess what I appreciated about their work more so than many clients was I could really understand the effort that goes into it. Um, you know, what it takes to develop a logo, what it takes, you know, there's so much behind it. Um, And so I I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is something I'm really interested in. Um, I started then working for a graphic design agency um, and then I went on to become a partner in a video production animation company. um, And then I, you know, took that business on, you know, on, on its own. And then at that point, I was looking for something else. Like the industries keep you know, becoming remote, right? Everything's becoming offshore. And I guess the thing uh, that I'm lucky that I have is uh, I'm always looking to the future. Like I'm always, what's next? You know, I'm never thinking, okay, this is great. I'm really comfortable now. This is the space that we're gonna be working in. And so I actually went to see someone talk about the power of experiences. And it was one of those stars aligned moment. You know, when you ask that question, and you get the answer. (laughs) And so literally, and and my staff will tell you that, you know, that I'm a bit crazy, but (laughs) I literally walked in the next day and said, okay, that's it, we're not doing this anymore. We're gonna dive into this space of immersive experiences. Um, And so what we did is we started working, you know, in Australia mainly with cultural institutions, a lot of museums uh, and creating exhibitions, but they were really, you know, fun and engaging exhibitions, lots of interactivity, Um, And from that point, I guess it kind of grew. And with my work on LinkedIn, I started getting this profile as being a curator. Um, And so that's the space that we really operate in now. So we, you know, I work as a curator globally, um, but also as a creative strategist, like with, you know, some of the best companies in the world.
0: Yeah, so, um, yeah, incredibly varied. And I think, Yeah, fascinating. You talked about those range of different skills that you developed. and I think as we'll get into it, you can you can see, you know, the world of immersive experiences is incredibly kind of multidisciplinary, multifaceted. So I'm, I'm sure that's put you in, in good stead. And should we should we delve into that world now? And and as, as you mentioned, you know, you're developing. Um, immersive experiences and I, I just wondered you know what would you say makes a great immersive experience like what, what are the, um, the ingredients you need to, to craft um, you know quality immersive experiences and you know what are some of your favorite examples maybe from your own work or from from elsewhere
1: so for me the industry has moved quite considerably even in a very short amount of time and I guess it used to be about you know the wow factor um, and now it's more about substance so we're looking at uh, narrative, how do we take people on a journey? Um, what is it that we want them to feel like at the beginning and how do we want them to feel when they leave the experience? Um, the really important aspect in all of this is around transporting people. So taking them out of their daily lives for that half an hour or 45 minutes and making them feel like a child again, like having those moments of discovery um, and then at the end of it, you know that excitement you get when you've been to something amazing and you, you just start that conversation with someone and it's around, you know, Peter, did you see that that thing on that wall and how amazing was that? And he's like, no, I didn't. But did you see this? You know, that's what we're trying to create. Um, so, the I mean, apart from the, the narrative aspect of it, and when I say narrative, it's not a didactic experience. Like... The what I'm going to take away from it is going to be different to you. So we're not trying yeah. to create a completely uniformed experience for everyone. We want people to have the, those moments of discovery and some people are going to walk away with the whole story and other people are going to walk away with elements of it. And that's fine. That's fantastic, right? Because we just want people to have fun, you know? Um, and so the other elements which are really important is um, it being audio-led as well. Uh, so we look at a lot of immersive experience visually and just stunning, right? It, it's always magic, but the audio tends to let it down. And I'm not saying always, but um, I went to an experience, uh, I went to Atelier de Luminaire in yeah. Paris just yeah, yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, and I was comparing what culture spaces, which is the group that, you know, um, that have... Yeah, all sit behind it, yeah. Yeah, I was comparing what they do to, I guess, the Van Gogh touring exhibitions. and yeah. um, And while there's... It's not a narrative in the traditional sense. What they do is they tie the music into the visuals. So there's moments of complete drama and then there's tranquility and then there's, you know, there's you know, there's just peacefulness and then there's, you know, and that's a story, right? That's a narrative. Um, so that's really, really important. Yeah. And also the the equipment is crucial as well. I, again, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking from an audio perspective because for me you know what it's like if you if you go to a movie can you imagine if you went to see a movie and there was no sound effects or there was no score like you just you don't feel connected to the experience so those elements are crucial
0: Yeah, this is the musician in you coming out as well, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it's funny you mention, um, yeah, culture spaces and Atelier de because I also think that some of the spaces they use are just extraordinary, aren't they? Like, you know, former World War II submarine bases and Cold War bunkers. Now, it feels like that really adds something to what they're doing as well.
1: Yeah, completely. And I I think it's that juxtaposition again, right? So what what we're looking at is a venue that has all this high-tech equipment but it used to be a foundry or a quarry, yeah. and that just adds to that drama and that you know that excitement about it. But there's also l- levels of, um, I guess, engagement as well. So we're not looking at four walls, you know. There's there's rounded, curved edges, and so you're kind of walking around and you're exploring the space as well. You can walk upstairs and look down onto everyone. They had these really cool moments where you could walk into this uh, kind of drum. And there was a, a separate experience within that. So all of that tells a story.
0: We've we started, I guess, to touch on some of the providers of these immersive experiences and, and the creators. And I, I wonder if we sort of sort of come back a second and think about the audience, because these things are, are obviously um, striking a chord. And I wonder like are you seeing um changes in audience behaviors expectations that are are driving this industry
1: yeah definitely i think people are becoming savvy so you know and that that's been bound to happen if we look at the um, architectural projection space Mm. you know we used to be quite happy with seeing lizards running up the sides of walls uh you know but that's that's changed now we want more right so people are going to a van gogh experience as an example um, and then they're comparing it to, you know, like a meow wolf. Yeah. And they're saying, okay, you know, you can still take away things from both, but, you know, which is completely immersive and which... which um, I, I guess what people are looking for is that shared experience, right? To form those memories with friends, like something that they can talk about.
0: Yeah, 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 I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about, look, this, this space is absolutely booming. It seems like every day you hear about you know a new experience and you know all corners of, of the world, um, and and you've talked perhaps a little bit about the the range of different experience providers. But I wonder, like, what what do you see as the future of immersive experiences? Um, you know, how's it going to develop over the next few years? Uh, is is it all going to be a kind of an upwards kind of curve, the hockey stick sort of graph, or or, or can you see kind of bumps in the road as well?
1: Yeah, I mean it feels like it's really at the beginning, you know. So there's there's lots of growth t- that, that can occur. Um, I guess what we need to l- not be thinking about is that anyone that sets up an immersive experience is a competitor. Like we need to be in this industry together, yeah. like creating beautiful moments of magic um, and, and helping people to, you know, a- again, um, escape, you know, whatever's going on for them at the moment and have this incredible experience. Um, and I think as long as we work towards those same goals, like it's a win-win, right? Yeah. Um, but what we need to be mindful of, I guess, from the competition point of view is that it's easy to jump on board and create, you know, create cash cow kind of experiences, right, which then tarnish the industry. Mm. So it always needs to be about quality.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, yeah, if we, if we keep sort of down that um, future track, I mean, you know, one of the things that's obviously happening is technology continues, you know, to develop a, a pace and... Um, I mean, is, and look, this is, this is a hard one. It's always to, hard to predict the future of technology and where these things might go. But but it, but it's obviously opening up new frontiers in terms of possibilities around immersive experiences. And, and look, and how do you think those technologies might shape the, the possibilities as as we go forward? And how are they doing it currently?
1: I mean, technology is amazing. Like we should be grasping it and trying to use it as much as possible to tell stories. I think what's important is. We never want the technology to be at the forefront, so it needs to be hidden, and you know, um, at, we don't want people pointing out the equipment and saying that, oh, that's a fantastic projector, um, but it needs to feel it needs to feel natural in the space, right? But there's so much happening at the moment as far as you know, like the Microsoft Hololens 2 yeah. is really taking that idea of um engaging, like that interactivity is really important in an immersive experience to really capture people um and to um you know to really get them involved and excited in the experience right so we have that but look, the thing that excites me is this haptic technology so people like um, what they called? marshmallow laser feast yeah, yeah. they yeah, do the some UK, incredible yeah. work out, yeah out of the UK um, and they use like haptic vests to, you know, with their VR experiences, but also things like haptic floors, which are really exciting. So the idea that you can feel something approaching before it's approaching. Um, the other thing is, you know, we're looking at LED versus projection now. So that's that's kind of a conversation that's happening at the moment. Um, motion trackers. So, you know, Team Lab have already been using that. So it's not something new, but they're becoming far more sophisticated, you know? So um, you can actually sense not only where people are, but you can sense the reactions of people and then be able to um, change the story or the narrative based on how people are feeling. Mm -hmm. But that's exciting, right? So it means that um, every time we go into an experience, it'll be completely different from the last time based on, you know, the group interaction.
0: Yeah it's, uh, as you say it's, it's really exciting you know what's, what's possible now and what, what's going to happen just around the corner. I know um, the other day I was um, reading the, uh, the, the review of the new ABBA Voyage uh, show and uh, it was in, in the Guardian that the writer was talking about the fact that you know you, you know from, from their perspective they couldn't tell the difference between you know what was technology and what was real which Amazing. is you know extraordinary really isn't it? um yeah great okay well uh, earlier on you talked about actually some of your um initial work had been with cultural institutions and you know remix as an event and see things differently as a podcast you know uh, quite a number of our listeners are working in the sort of cultural and the creative industries um unlike many other sectors um you know that's a sector that's now starting to be disrupted by some of these new technologies some of these new players and and experiences and, and I wonder, you know, what opportunities and challenges um, do you see for um, other parts of the cultural sector and the creative industries to benefit from the immersive rev- revolution, whether that's museums, galleries, or perhaps some of the heritage buildings that we talked about with Atelier de Lumière? Like, what do you do with a Second World War you know, submarine base? And that struck me as a really kind of great solution to how you activate a, a building in a totally different way.
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, we, we're starting to work with some museums that really see the benefit Of combining so I guess what we don't want to do is go okay we're not going to create the museum experience like it used to be I think there needs to be a combination right so we still need to have that factual the information the plaques and all of that but there also needs to be that other element you know something that transports people and 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 that opens it up to you know wider audiences it's far more engaging uh, and so the conversation's being had and, and they're starting to understand, okay, if we, you know, if we want to capture these audiences, we really need to start moving in that direction. I guess the issues around that is funding, right? Because when you're looking at immersive experiences, 70 to 80% is all around hardware, right? That's where the budget lies. And so yeah. it's around, okay, well, how do we get that philanthropic funding to be able to create those experiences? But there are players out there that are having those conversations. So it's pretty exciting.
0: Mm. Yeah, and well, um, maybe it's a, sort of supplementary question. Uh, I mean, they have very different business models as well, don't they? The cultural yeah. institutions to, to some of these um, newer players. And, you know, I, I sit on the on the board of a, of a couple of cultural institutions. And, and one of the things that obviously they do is they, they protect, they preserve, they interpret the, you know, uh, the, the treasures the collections um you know within our our communities but also that's it's a very expensive thing to do uh, and i'm kind of interested in um you know it strikes me a lot a lot of the immersive like like a van gogh they're actually less concerned about the physical object um and and audiences well i'm wondering your, your view is to as to how important those objects and collections are, which are so much a part of, say, museums or, or galleries versus the entirely kind of virtual digital product. Okay. Um, and whether you where, do, do you need the physical collection or item anymore or, or is it a combination thing that you talked about?
1: Well, I'm actually working uh, with a couple of um, Swiss gentlemen <laughs> on a Heidi exhibition at right. the moment. And... They were doing the traditional style exhibition, which was around showing the um, the uh, what do you call it the book covers, mm. and so what happened is people walking through the space, and they were walking up to the cover that they remember reading as a child, and they were having this emotional connection with it, and there were tears, and there was you know we don't want to lose that right, like that there's still real relevance in having yeah. those elements within the space right. Um, but, but adding that other element, and so I guess what we're not trying to do is recreate the the traditional museum experience in a digital format, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's show those beautiful artefacts and, and, and the history behind it, because people do have connections and they have memories around that. and But let's use the digital aspect of it to create something that you just couldn't possibly do in the traditional sense.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, so, the next the next question really actually I think this could apply to individuals and it's, it's a question about you but also I think it's it could apply to say somebody working in a cultural institution who is um thinking about uh, you know reinvention and e- evolution of what they do but you know you're you're a pioneer in this um immersive form and. Like, how, how do you manage innovation? How do you evolve your creative practice? And in such a fast-moving environment where you, it seems you've got to keep up with technology as much as um, your audience development, like, you know, how do you keep up with, stay ahead of, of, of the trends?
1: So it's having a small team, actually. So mm-hmm. um, I think what people will find surprising is there's only three of us at Moulton. <laughs> um, so very nimble. It's very, <laughs> completely nimble um and it's it serves the purpose right so the the team is all around creative strategy um you know one of my team members is from a theater background so he's very good at developing narrative um but then we have an extended family right so we have people that are based in Sydney mainly um and they come from a production from again from a theater design background from a lighting background um and we bring those people into our team depending on the project right But then we get to collaborate with the best people in the world, right? So the industry is all about collaboration, right? And what that means is every project is completely unique and completely um, exciting and, you know, and we have no idea what direction it's gonna go in. And there's all this knowledge sharing that's happening in the process. So it's just a continuous learning curve. Which keeps which keeps it really exciting, and you know, obviously, you know, something that I uh, thrive to, you know,
0: sorry. Yeah, no, no. well it sounds like being a great collaborator is at the heart of a lot of this, and 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 being able to collaborate in a very multidisciplinary way. So to embrace lots of different, you know, trends, types of of, of people, and and that, I guess, you know. I know with Remix, one of the great joys for me is you're dealing with people from lots of different industries, and you put them in the room together, and that kind of sparks new ideas, doesn't it? And it sounds like, in a sense, you're doing that within your business, you know?
1: Yeah, completely. And I guess um, I get asked a lot, oh, what courses can I study to you know start working in your industry? And it's a really difficult question to answer, because there's a lot of... Um, on the ground training it's you know working with a projection artist and and learning the skills and um, you know developing animation based on um, you know just just out of interest but then using that for you know for a lighting exhibition or so it, it is that you know it is around working with others and developing those skills and and that collaboration is the most important aspect
0: mm. yeah great thanks um, the the next question is is really I think sort of focusing on um, you again and and the incredible um, success you've had through LinkedIn to the point where you were named LinkedIn Top Voice um, and if anybody who is uh, listening to this isn't following Dorothy on LinkedIn that's my number one and recommendation as a result of this this podcast it will it will definitely um, Change your world and inspire you as to what's possible in the uh, the immersive space. But it it strikes me, you know, through your activity on um, LinkedIn and, and your work, you've really developed this kind of personal or, or creative brand, uh, and and have, and I guess my question here is like, you know, how do you how have you gone about sort of growing a community around your creative output? Because it seems that that's really something which is sort of supercharged, you know, your ability to make a difference. Actually, you know,
1: yeah, completely. Um, I'd love to say that it started from a positive place, but it actually didn't. I, um, <laughs> I actually started hitting LinkedIn um, out of frustration. Right. So we were getting approached a lot to create works by other artists that were, you know, that were created in Texas. It's like we want exactly this thing, and can you do that for us? I was like, n- no. We, we, first of all, we're not going to recreate someone else's work. Yeah. but. It's a diff- different demographic, you know. We want to create something specific to our industry. So, I guess what I what I was trying to do was to highlight the work that's happening globally, and just go look at look at all this amazing stuff that's happening. Like, let's get inspired by these incredible people. Um, initially, all of the all of my posts were around. Um, you know, they were being developed by research, so it was all yeah. like, you know, because we work in this industry We're constantly researching, right? You know, what are people doing? What's happening in the space? Now it's gotten to a point where it's, you know, 90% is artist submissions, which I then curate I also then edit my own videos as well. So okay, it's, yeah. it's quite it's quite a lengthy process, but um, and, and I, I do it I guess because all of the people that f- follow me like the majority of The people that i'm connected to you know we're talking about the world's best artists we're talking about um you know the world's best creatives the incredible organizations all around the world and and i'm just trying to you know start that conversation around you know let's let's embrace art let's make art part of everyday life But more importantly, it's always about this artist. Like, who is this person that's creating this moment of magic and how do we connect them to another organisation? And so even though I'm, you know, even though my face is (laughs) is on LinkedIn, it's not about me ever. It is about, it's about artists. So getting getting someone reaching out to me and saying, hey, that post was amazing, can you hook me up with that artist because I'd really like to, you know, work with them on this next project... But that's amazing. That makes me feel incredible.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm just amazed that um, with the amount of uh, kind of inbound kind of questions and comments that you have, that you're able to deal with that many um, uh, individual conversations, it's impressive in it itself. Um, I, I now want to move on to the thorny issue of art and money. And and but part, part of the reason, um, you know, we started to see things differently is you know my, my sense is there's a lot of creatives who want to um, take advantage of the opportunity to be creative entrepreneurs. So so they're creatives, but they also want to develop sustainable or even sort of scalable practice, so they can they can reinvest in the growth of their creative product. And it strikes me that that's something that you've done very well. Actually, you know you are you're a creative, but you've also been able to um, develop a creative business. And and I think that's also something that which is a characteristic of. A lot of creative people in the immersive space there are quite a number of you know successful creative entrepreneurs that are are building business models that that seem like they're able to kind of grow and sustain Um, and I wonder if you've got any kind of thoughts lessons from your journey as a creative entrepreneur you know given that you're working all these amazing kind of projects around around the globe and how you how you've managed and developed that side
1: so for me having the right team I guess, is the most important aspect. So the, the two other people that form part of Moulton, I've worked with for over 16 years. And so we have this complete trust. There's no hierarchy in the team. And we, you know, we, we have certain skills that we bring to the table, but we work always as a team, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I guess those skills help us to become a whole person, if that makes sense, right? <laughs> um, but but being able to be agile like that, like being able to say, okay, this is what we do, and then let's just bring in the best to create these experiences, works for us, right? It just means there's so much flexibility. I mean, we used to have all of these skills in-house, you know, a fabricator, and then you have people just sitting around waiting for the next project where they can do some fabrication, you know? so. So that's that's kind of crucial um, and then the other aspect and I think I mentioned this before is having this external team so and like an mm-hmm. extension of molten um, and what I found is it's great to have that outside of Australia but it's more beneficial that that's in Australia so yeah. when I'm talking about you know production and like a, a lighting expert and a theater expert to be able to then catch up you know fly to Sydney and, and catch up with the team and, and you know have a session and like that's really, really important. All of the other skills, they can come from wherever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like the metaphor of um, building the whole person as well. I mean, I think that's also a kind of really honest way of looking at it in the sense that you sort of go, uh, that's as much about what skills you don't have as what skills you bring to the table and being honest around, well, there's a gap there. We need to fill that gap. And I know sort of similar to maybe the startup world, isn't it, where... Um, I know from my experience, you know, it's finding the... If you're going to set something up, you know, how do you find the right co-founders that have got the skills that you haven't got and, and, and to be really honest about what you do need as much as what you can kind of bring to the table. So completely, and especially
1: yeah. in a creative industry, I think you've got to be really careful with who you work with because as soon as there's some kind of toxic, mm. um, you know, relationship or, or feeling, it, it just it just stifles creativity completely. So you need to be able to trust these people... And, and that allows, you know, some of, some of our best ideas have come from that wacky, you know, like left of field kind of idea that someone has raised, which we're all laughing at. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, that's perfect. That's the one. That's the, yeah, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah, look, so, so my, my final question really is, um, is around like, wh- where next? Like, what, what does the future hold for you?
1: Okay, so uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I've just started curating the world's largest light art festival. (laughs) No, but tell me more. In Saudi Arabia. So it's called Noor Riyadh, and my portion of the program is 100 artists.
0: Just 100 artists, Just
1: Just (laughs) just 100 artists, which is... (laughs) Um, And so, you know, this is a two-year program, and um, I, I, I guess... You know what's great about Saudi Arabia and something that I'm hoping Australia really um, really jumps on board with is just how important art is. Saudi Arabia has this Vision twenty thirty plan and they just want to be the Mecca in the art space. Like they, you know, and, and, and they're going to do it. Like there's no <laughs> there's no barriers because they have the money um, and they see the value in art. So I'm very lucky and fortunate to be able to work with them.
0: Yeah, oh, well, I can't. Great, I can't wait to see how um, that unfolds. And, and look, I think in terms of my formal questions, I've covered everything that I wanted to ask. And um, look, we, we've obviously kind of covered a, a fair amount of ground there. But is, look, is there anything else you wanted to, to mention or talk about that we've we've not covered yet? No. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> I've cl- clearly. a... Uh, a very comprehensive uh, interview. So, well, look, it, th- th- Therefore, Dorothy, it just remains um, for me to thank you. And like and like I said, if you take nothing else away from this interview, get onto LinkedIn and follow Dorothy, um, you won't regret it. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Peter, thank you. That was amazing.
0: So that's a wrap for another episode of See Things Differently. If you want more, then join us at our next live event, Remix London, taking place at the National Gallery and Google's headquarters. We have speakers such as the CEO of the Barbican, the general manager of Patreon, who've generated 3.5 billion and counting for creators. We have the executive in charge of Industrial Light and Magic, part of Disney, the people behind Star Wars, Jurassic Park, and the recent ABBA Voyage immersive experience. We have other cultural organisations such as the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. Uh, we have the founder of Secret Cinema uh, and many, many more um, that will be exploring the future of the creative industries. You can find out more at Remix Summit.